Please do uh, join me in taking out your Bibles once again and turning to John chapter 10. As we turn to God's word, let's turn to him in prayer. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we are very thankful that goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life as we have just sung. And Father, we know that your word provides goodness and mercy to your people. So Father, be pleased to use your word and spirit to grow us today in our love for you and our desire to follow Jesus all our days, for we pray in his name. Amen. We're in John. Unique to John are those seven signs, the seven miracles that point to Jesus as Messiah. And as we've been seeing uh, in John are those seven statements of Jesus' self-identification. We know that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? But here in John, Jesus tells us who he is seven times. I am, I am, I am. We get to know Jesus by listening to him. Just like we get to know anyone by being with them and listening to them. We get to know Jesus by listening to him as he speaks and he, as he tells us about himself. Here in John, we see that Jesus uses images and figurative symbols, uh, bread, light, vine, to make himself known. Uh, Both individually as well as together, they paint a picture of who Jesus is and what he came to do. Recall that we started off with Jesus as being the resurrection and the life. When he says, I am the resurrection and life, we are called to believe and live. He declared himself to be the bread of life to feed on him and live. He he claimed and declared himself to be the light of the world. Follow that light, live. And last week we saw Jesus saying, I am the door of the sheep, enter and live. I wanna begin today by just asking a, a question. Should you take something personally or not? Should you take something personally or not? Well, the answer is, to begin with, it depends, right? Someone is insulting you, saying all kinds of things to you, about you. It's probably a good idea not to take it personally. Otherwise, your day is a wreck, right? But there are other times that we need to take things personally, right? We, we saw in Galatians that we need to take justification by faith personally. Today, Jesus gets personal. He gets very personal as he reveals himself not to be bread, not to be light, not, not to be a door, but a shepherd. Jesus wants us to know that when it, it comes to him, 
We've got to take him personally. I think it's important to step back and just remember here on the Lord's Day in the Lord's Church, in this gathering of the Lord's people, it really isn't about us. It's about Jesus Christ, the King of the church, the the head of the church. And if you look at scripture for how Jesus describes how he rules the church, how he rules as king, he describes himself as both a shepherd and a servant. It goes without saying, but it needs to be said. Jesus runs the church. He's the boss. He's in charge. He calls the shots. But Jesus also serves the church. You see, as king, Jesus is the shepherd of his church, represented by the person and work of the elder. As king, Jesus is the servant of the church, represented through the person and work of the deacon, the shepherd. Today, we're going to look at Jesus being the good shepherd Our benediction today, you will hear Jesus being the great shepherd of the sheep. And you heard earlier from 1 Peter 5, Jesus being the chief shepherd. Now, sheep and shepherd, of course, is rich biblical imagery, right? The call to worship was from Psalm 100, speaking of the sheep of his pasture, The hymn of preparation, we just sang Psalm 23. Listen to Psalm 78. Then the Lord led his people out like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. Isaiah 40, we read, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. In Jeremiah 31, we read, the Lord will gather Israel and will keep him as a shepherd keeps Israel. His flock. Think of the time recorded in Mark chapter 6 where it speaks of Jesus. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And our Old Testament reading from Ezekiel 34, as I mentioned, bad news and good news. There were false shepherds, bad shepherds, self-interested shepherds of Israel. And because of that, the Lord promised, I am going to send a good shepherd, a great shepherd, a chief shepherd, a shepherd who will shepherd in truth and in love for the good of his sheep. Well, today, this is the fourth great self-disclosure of Jesus found in the Gospel of John We're going to pay particular attention to John 11 through 18, but we're going to need to hear the first 10 verses read as well. So join me in John 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. 
This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Well, in our passage, Jesus identifies himself as the good shepherd. And in view of this self-declaration, we're going to consider two aspects of Jesus being the good shepherd. The first is the extent of his love as the good shepherd. And the second is the extent of his knowledge as the good shepherd. And after that, we'll consider, thirdly, the extent of our response in view of both his love for us and his knowledge of us. Let's look first at the extent of his love. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, in order to get to verse 11, we've got to again go back and make a few comments about verses 1 through 10. According to verse 6, the first five verses are a figure of speech. And then in verses 7 through 18, it's not an explanation, rather it's an expansion of this figure of speech. Jesus contrasts himself with thieves and robbers who come to steal and to kill and destroy. But there's that beautiful verse, verse 10, that Jesus came that his sheep would, what, have life and have it abundantly. Jesus describes himself as a shepherd. And what does a shepherd do, as we've seen in our passage? Well, it's helpful to think of this, that this is a good job description for a shepherd, for an elder, to to know the sheep, to feed the sheep, to lead the sheep, to protect the sheep. See, Jesus speaks to the sheep. We see in verse 3, he knows and feeds the sheep. He leads the sheep. We see again in verse 3, he goes before the sheep so that they will follow. The shepherd is a leader. He is the way, he is the door for his sheep to go in and out and find pasture. Verse 9, he he feeds the sheep. And in contrast with the hired hand, who's only there for self-interest, he's the owner of the sheep. And therefore, he stays with the sheep in the midst of danger. We see that in verse 12. He cares for the sheep. In verse 13, he protects the sheep. 
Now, to what extent does the good shepherd care for his sheep? To what extent does he love the sheep? I think we talked a little bit about sheep last week, but it's important to remember this is not about a shepherd loving the lovely, but loving the unlovely. Sheep are dirty. Sheep are stubborn. And I, can I say it again this week? Sheep are stupid. Sheep are dirty, stubborn, and stupid. And what does Jesus do? What does the good shepherd do? Verse 11. He lays down his life for the sheep. And notice again in verse 15 and 17 and 18. He lays his life down for the sheep. My friends, it's one thing to say things once, twice, three times. This is four times in one passage that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And as the rest of scripture will show us, his death does not put the sheep at risk. Rather, it's the only way to save them. See, this is beginning to point beyond this metaphorical world of images, of pictures. It's pointing to Jesus' death, his work as Savior. And if you look at verses 15 through 18, you will see that this laying down his life, this, the, shepherd, the good shepherd laying down his life, he's talking about a death that is voluntary. He's doing it on his own accord. It's vicarious. It's going to be as a substitute. And it's specific for his sheep. Now, for whom does Jesus, as the good shepherd, die? The shepherd dies for sheep. We heard it earlier. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. Picture in your mind that sheep. Again, utterly helpless, maybe fallen on his back, possessing limited intelligence, not creative, a creature of habit, prone to listless wandering. At times, a sheep can be frightened, at other times, unmoved, absolutely defenseless. Jesus, not just the shepherd, but the good shepherd. He's being described here, he's describing himself as this morally upright and beautiful shepherd. Contrasting, of course, with what we heard in Ezekiel 34. In verse 11, Jesus declares himself to be the good shepherd and immediately he says that the the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In other words, he tells us the extent of his love. Now, in verse 14, he declares once again that he is the good shepherd. And immediately, he says that he knows his own and his own know him. So now we're going to consider the extent of his knowledge. The extent of his knowledge of his sheep. Again, verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own. I know my own. 
Sometimes in reading the Bible, um, it's not a pleasant experience, is it? It's not necessarily joyful all the time. Sometimes it's sobering, convicting. You're reading through the Sermon on the Mount, and you get to chapter 7, and you hear Jesus say, I never knew you. Depart from me. I, I don't know if there's a scarier verse in all of Scripture. I never knew you. I know my own. Let that sink in for a moment. Jesus knows us. Every thing about us, every single hidden thing. Jesus knows us to the ugly depths of our sin. All of us only present some of us to the rest of us. Jesus knows all of us. And he knows all of us all the way. And with that knowledge, he loves us. He loves us to the extent of dying for us in our place. He knows it's the only way to rescue us. Paul says in Romans 5, while we were still weak, while we were ungodly, while we were still sinners, while we were enemies, Jesus died for us because of his love for us. My friends, Jesus doesn't reject us because of his knowledge of us. How many of us have rejected people when we know something about them that we don't agree with or like? How many times have we been rejected by others when they find out something about us? My friends, take great comfort in the relationship Jesus has with his people is not identical to the relationship we have with one another. What great comfort. Jesus knows us. He knows that secret sin. He knows that weakness, that frailty. He, he knows us. And he, he, he loves us. And this knowledge, he says, I know my own and my own know me. It's mutual, it's reciprocal. It's, there's an intimate sense. It's, it's kind of like a marriage. This is parallel to the mutual knowledge of the father and the son, the intimacy. The father and the son are one. There's this openness and, and, and relationship, a oneness of command when the father calls and the son obeys. It's this mutual knowledge, this, this, this loving relationship. It's a relationship of love and knowledge. The, sh the good shepherd, he, he knows us. And, and yet, or maybe because he knows us, he loves us. I mean, just stop there for a second. Christianity is unlike any other religion because every other religion is man-made 
You've got to prove yourself to be worthy. You've got to merit whatever. Jesus loves us. And so we've seen, just briefly, the extent of Jesus' love to his own death and the extent of Jesus' knowledge to the very depth of our being. It's now time to consider the extent of our response, the extent of your response to that kind of love, to, to that kind of knowledge. My friends, this cannot be answered from the text. Rather, it's got to be answered by looking in the mirror. It's got to be answered by taking a look at your life. And we're going to consider now the extent of a response to Jesus, who he is and what he does, by asking just a couple of questions. First, first question, do you know him? Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus as the good shepherd? Verse 14, Jesus' own sheep know him. Do you hear his voice? Verse 3, do you know his voice? Verse 4, do you listen to his voice? Verse 16, now these are three ways of saying the same thing. Do you recognize Jesus when he speaks? And how does Jesus speak to us today? Through his, uh, through his word and by his spirit. That's how Jesus speaks to his people today. We know Jesus through his word. So that's the first question. Do you know him? And the second question is this, do you love him? Okay, you say you know him, well then do you love him? How does Jesus himself define what it means to love him? John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll obey me. Few verses later in verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. John the Apostle in his first letter says this, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Let that sink through you. His commandments are not burdensome. Do you know him? Do you love him? I think we can be helped by a 1958 song from the teddy bears. To know him is to love him, right? To know him, to know his love for you. We love because he first loved us, right? Our love is a response to the great love that the Lord has for us. So what's your answer to these two life-defining questions? If they're yes, I know him and I love him. If yes, 
then you realize that you are worse than you think, and yet you are also more loved than you could ever imagine. Because in using this imagery of sheep and shepherd, this is what Jesus is saying to you. You sheep are worse than you think you are. You sheep are more loved than you could ever imagine. And therefore, someone like that is in possession of both utter confidence and boldness and humility. And only the Holy Spirit can produce such a combination of that kind of confidence and humility. Now, if your answer is no, do you know him? No. Do you love him? No. If that's your answer, I've got some good news because Jesus says in verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. So don't despair. Could the good shepherd be be calling you right here, right now, at this very moment, to know him, to love him? John 10 belongs in the Bible chapter classics, doesn't it? Let's put Romans 8 in there. Let's put Isaiah 40. Let's put Psalm 23, right? Let's, let's put John 10 in the Bible chapter classics collection. And there are two things to remember coming out of this chapter. The first thing is this. We are sheep. Never forget this. We are lost, dirty, stupid, stubborn, wandering sheep who need a shepherd. And guess what? We have one. In Christ, that is by faith in Christ, we are saved. And let me just expand out that word for a moment. We are safe, we are secure, and we are satisfied. So the first thing to remember is we are sheep. And the second thing that we need to remember and never forget is Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. Jesus the King leads and cares for his church as a shepherd, as the good shepherd. You may have heard this story before about the tour bus going through Israel. And the tour guide had been explaining to these tourists uh, what they would be seeing as they traveled out and around the countryside. And of course, they explained you would be seeing sheep and shepherds. And as that tour bus uh, made a turn and headed up one road, uh, they looked out to the side and there was this flock of sheep, and behind it was a man. And those who had been listening carefully um, to the uh, tour director, tour guide, um, filed that away. And at their next stop, they asked, ha, I thought you said the shepherd always leads the sheep, is out front. We saw a man behind that flock. 
And the tour guide said, oh, that, that's not the shepherd, that's the butcher. You see, shepherds lead the flock from the front. Butchers drive the flock from the rear. We follow Jesus, my friends. We are not pushed or driven by Jesus. We are led by Jesus. He goes on ahead of us and he takes on our greatest enemy because our greatest enemy is ahead of us. Sin and death. He takes on our greatest enemy and he dies in our place and on our behalf. My friends, we follow Jesus because we have heard his voice calling us by name, saying, come, follow me. This is personal. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And as the good shepherd, Jesus provides everything that sheep like us really need. And if we're honest with ourselves, with what we really want down deep. The good shepherd is still calling his lost sheep who have never come into the flock and he's still calling his wandering sheep. Those of us who've been in the flock but have been out in the wilderness. My friends today, hear his voice. Come, come to him and rest in his care by faith. And what does the good shepherd say? When you receive me, when you rest upon me alone for salvation, what happens? You live. My friends, for us and for our salvation, Jesus really does love his sheep to death. His own death. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for Jesus, that great shepherd, that chief shepherd, that good shepherd. Oh, Father, we need everything that the good shepherd provides. Father, help us, give us ears to hear the call of the good shepherd. And hearing that call, help us to desire more than anything to stay with him, knowing that he's going to lead us to life. For we pray in his name. Amen.